0: Hallelujah. Good morning, church. Happy August to you. Amen. It's a blessed new month. It's a blessed new month. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to great things in this month. I'm looking forward to good things happening. Happening to me. Happening through me. Happening all around me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know if there are people like that in this house who are expecting the goodness and the grace of the Lord to speak on their behalf, to walk on their behalf. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Um, just like you said, we're beginning a new series. And um, you may be wondering whether my dressing today is reflective of the new series. No. I dressed this way today to please my wife. Uh, Simple. There was something she told me last week. I said, okay, don't worry. I will, I will, I will take you back. <laughs> so, the, it's not becoming a pastor just like this. You, you guys know. I'm even somehow feeling uncomfortable like this. So. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's, it's, it's going to be a great one. And um, I would like you to connect with this message because of all the messages i preached this year, they are very crucial, but this is the most important one. This series is the most important series. I'm going to address... In this um, year, it will lead us into uh, our conference. I will begin in November. By the way, our, our conference beginning in November, November. The title for the conference is ah, I just forget the title now. Come back. <laughs> Remind me, I told you the other day The Power of Right Believing. Hallelujah. The power of right believing. And um, as of yesterday, I yesterday, I confirmed our first speaker, who's also a seasoned grace minister. And funny enough, he, he passed the church at this area here, Ojo area. We've been friends for more than seven years on Facebook, and um, I've seen what the Lord has done through his ministry. And um, if you think I dress radical, you need to see him on his Facebook post. Him and his wife. In fact, his wife is more radical. my Wife is too gentle here. But what can I do? It is what it is. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. But it's been a blessing to the people over there at that um, teddy area. And um, I'm sure you'll be blessed when you receive him. Hallelujah. So, like I said, we're beginning a new series. And um, also, this series is also an offshoot of what I've been teaching in the Bible study for the past two months. I've been feeling kind of guilty, like I've been cheating some people here. Uh, But it's not my fault. Because the Bible studies series um, is a teaching series that... Um, I wish we really have everything recorded, but we only have a bit of it recorded, you know. But um, so some some of us who have been attending Bible studies, we really really get something I'm saying. But I'm sure we'll find a way to connect it all together. So we've been teaching what we call what happened at the cross, and it's more like an investigative teaching. We went back in time to reflect the cross and see Jesus dying at the cross beyond. The fact that there was a man who was nailed to a tree. Beyond the fact that as Christians, we have the symbol, of the cross, that identifies us. And so it's, the cross for us has become either a fashion statement or um, an identity of religion. Or it has become something that people just connote to Jesus. That you know Jesus, is a man called Jesus. But beyond that, the cross speaks a lot of things. You know, I had a conversation with somebody some years ago, some few years ago, and I was very shocked to realize that um, the, the concept of salvation is quite almost the same across many religions. It's about man is bad and wicked and sinful, there's an afterlife to live, and to get there, you have to, to receive something inside of you or somehow change your character or moral disposition so that when you cross over into the afterlife, you will not go to hellfire, you will go to heaven. And so, the central theme is that your sin needs to be dealt with. And if you go across religions, it's the same thing. The first thing I would like you to understand is this. That Christianity is not a religion. The first thing you have to understand is that Christianity is not religion. What is religion? Religion is man's attempt and desire to reach to God, reach out to him in many ways through your prayer, through your um, offering through your suffering, through your affliction, affliction I mean, I mean, by affliction I mean fasting because when you look at the general idea behind, behind fasting from the old covenant it's actually self-affliction so you deny yourself food, you deny, deny yourself the pleasures of life, you even have to put what they call ashes on your head and your forehead or rub it over your body and wear sackcloth, something not, not desirable so you are afflicting yourself to reach out to God, to be able to reach out back to you. So every form of religion on the face of the earth is, is an attempt and is designed by man to reach out to God for God to back reach back to them. But one of the problems we've had with every religion is that people, nobody, has been able to find where God lives. No one can find where He exists, where His throne is. So it's like let's try something. Maybe somehow, somewhere, God will see me and perhaps hear me. Hallelujah! So, even even a lot of times when we look at the story behind um, of Babel Bible in Genesis, I, I'm also afraid that we don't understand what is happening there. People think man was building a house to reach out to heaven, the heaven where God stays, but the Bible doesn't tell us that's what they were trying to do. Because the Bible gives us three, three kinds of heavens. <laughs> What they were trying to do was not to spread; they were trying to grow in one direction upwards. There is no description of the exact location of heaven or where God lives, and so every religion is just an attempt in, at like a guesswork. If we try this, it works, and God hear me. Then what happens that if, if they get a kind of response from the divine, they will make that place what an altar. If they have a response from God or the divine, they'll always ensure that those places have become special. That is why, even throughout the Old Testament, you begin to realize that um, the Jews had special places where they call altars. So, Abraham also had an altar, Isaac had an altar. Everyone, in their own particular experience with the divine, they will always create an altar. Right? And in those places of an altar, they will also ensure that they will present a gift. To the divine. So you would have, um, beginning from Genesis, the first set of brothers, Cain and Abel, they came to God and they made an offering. Now, for the very fact that Cain and Abel came to God to present an offering, it simply means that Adam too also presented an offering too, because where did Cain and Abel learn from? Hallelujah. You have to learn from somewhere, from their parents. So, but we see from Abel, Abel offering. Sacrifice in form of animal where blood was shed. Cain came to God with sacrifice not from blood. Although some of you were taught in your Bible Bible school back in those days, some of you in Sunday school when you were much younger, that Cain offered to God a rotten sacrifice, the yam that did not yield well, you know, the fruits that was not proper. But the Bible doesn't also tell you too that that's what Cain offered. It doesn't tell you that he gave to God the worst fruit. You know, it's one of those things that we, we are learning to grow out of. We are learning to grow out of our assumption of scriptures. Hallelujah. So, Cain did not offer to God those things. He, what we see from scriptures, he offered to God the fruit from his work. But the book of Hebrews tells us why Cain's Abel was accepted. And why, sorry, why Abel's sacrifice was accepted. Why Cain's was not accepted. He said, by faith. Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. His offering was an offering of what? Faith. That was what I distinguished between the two brothers. And so it tells us that for without faith, it's impossible to work. please God. Right? And now when you look at faith, faith is actually your response to God. Faith is not what you initiate towards God. Your faith in God is not what you are going to do to make God respond to you. Your faith to God is what you will do in knowing what God has provided for you. And so to speak, faith is also a perspective. Faith is sharing divine perspective with God. Seeing things the way God sees things. And accepting things the way God accepts things. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Look at the book of Genesis chapter 3. Sorry, Genesis chapter 2. Did I say 2? Sorry, I meant 1. Genesis chapter 1. I want to show you again, but I'm sure everyone knows this part, the story of creation. So in Genesis 1, from verse... 27, we see, it says, God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea. So we see God create man on which day? Bible scholars, 60, right? Good. Now, look at verse 31. And God saw that everything he had made and behold, it was what? It was very good, not just good. And on the evening and the morning were the sixth day, right? Now flow into the next chapter. It says, Thus the heaven and the earth were finished. I like that word there. The heavens and the earth were what? Finished. (laughs) Remember the title of our series is what? It is finished. Understanding the finished work. So, thus... The heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made. And he what? Rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. God rested on the seventh day. But God did not rest because he was tired. God rested because he had completed the work. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God did not have to rest because God doesn't get tired. His energy reloaded. He didn't rest because he was tired. He rested because he was through with the work. That's why it says the work there, the, finished. the work was finished. Now, I now saw something very interesting. If you go to the book of Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4 from, from verse 1. The author of the book here was speaking to some Jewish believers. And said from verse 1. Let us therefore fear. Lest. A promise be left us. Of entering into his rest. Any of you should come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached. As well as unto them. But the word preached. Did not profit them. Because it was not mixed with faith in them that would heard it. For we who have believed do enter rest. Hallelujah. For we who have believed enter rest. What rest is this? So we see God created the heaven and the earth... He made sure everything was perfect for man to come and live and inhabit and enjoy. When God was done with, with creation, created man, placed man in the garden to now enjoy his creation. And God looked at everything and said, this is very good. I said, God, now I'm taking a rest. I, I cease from my effort and labor because everything is done and completed. Now, in the book of Hebrews, we see that the author was telling the Jews, if we believe him, we will enter the same rest that God has entered. Now, the first person to enjoy rest was Adam. Because when Adam was created, the very next day that he saw was the seventh day. So Adam did not start by walking. Adam started by resting. Adam did not start resting because he was tired. Adam rested because he was sharing something with God that God offered to him. And so Adam would have to now begin his work, having begun from rest. Have, Adam had to start beginning to do the things he was called to his his purpose having a foundation of rest. Now how does this all matter here? So we see in chapter 3 of Genesis how Adam sinned and fell and the cross was released and he was sent out of the garden and then the whole story began how it got worse and worse and worse but of course we saw in the same place there there was a promise for the Messiah to come the the seed of this of the woman will bring the head of the serpent. and so as the years were drawing by, we get into the prophets, uh, Jeremiah, uh, Isaiah, and they began to see something form in the spirits that God was about to release something, and then they were seeing a time was going to come, a day was was coming ahead of them. They never could tell what that was in that time, but they could see a day was going to come where God was going to reverse everything to fulfill His promise for mankind. He was going to reverse so that His promise for mankind would be just as it was in the beginning, that man should be fruitful, have dominion, and replenish the earth. Your being alive is actually supposed to be a fulfillment of that divine mandate to so be fruitful, multiply. Hallelujah. Because you are sharing with God same qualities. you share sharing with God the image and substance. And the same way God reigns and rules is the same way every one of us is supposed to rule and reign. And so that's why Paul tells us in Romans 5 that if you receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, which I rule and reign in life. Hallelujah. But see, the problem was sin came in. And so we find ourselves going to Romans 5. Romans 5. Romans 5 from verse. Eight. verse 5 verse 8 says but God commended his love towards us in that while we were still sinners Christ died for the ungodly or he died for us much more then that's a better comparison being justified by his blood we shall be saved from wrath through him for if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son I would like you to see that place again it says Even when we were still enemies, we were were what? Reconciled. In other words, our reconciliation happened when we were still in a state of enmity with God. But how could that have happened if none of us could have initiated the move for reconciliation except for the fact that Jesus came to live our life, became a man like us, and died for us, and died as us. Two things you need to understand. Jesus died for us, and died as us. Hallelujah. In dying as us, everything that's supposed to come to us, he took it to himself. Hallelujah. Our judgment for sin, he took it to himself. He died in our place and died as us so that whatever will not be the judgment for you will be the same judgment that is on Jesus. Hallelujah. And as you know, in court, in court of law, you cannot execute a judgment twice. If a man is sentenced to to prison for 10 years, he cannot be sentenced twice. Right? So, he came because it was long established that man could not save himself. So, in between the the time of Genesis where the promise was made and when Jesus actually came, it was more than 1,500 years in which the Jews had gotten to a place where they wanted to establish a covenant relationship with God that was established upon what is known as the laws of Moses. Now before the laws of Moses were released God had promises released on Abraham and we see he said, through your seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Now I have this feeling that back in those days they were not really getting, getting to understand God's plan. Let me start with Eve. It says that the seed of the woman shall bruise the, the head of the serpent. So I have this feeling that the thought that Cain would be the seed of the woman. Hence the name Cain. Finally I've gotten the man. That's what it means. I've gotten the man. So when she now had Abel, Abel just means empty bread. So, the way they were raised was quite different. Cain had this special preference because they felt she was—he was the seed of the woman who bruised the head of the serpent. And so, with this special treatment that was he was accorded to, a time came when the two brothers were to make offering, and Cain was for the first time surprised—he was not the preferred. That was why he got so angry. I went ahead and killed his son, his brother. Because he was told he was the one. He was told he was the man. He was told that this is the special one. Only to not reach the time of offering, his own was rejected. And so, they didn't quite get understand and get a full grips what God was trying to unveil. The seed of the woman was to come in the fullness of time, like Paul said in Galatians. So here, we find here that each time somebody comes on the scene and becomes a voice or recognized, they would feel that maybe this is a person. It got to a time that even Israel as a nation felt that they were the ones. But then, God told them that, you know, I wanted to raise you as a king of priests for the nations of the earth. But you failed. And what happened with the Jews is this. When they, were leaving, when they were still in Egypt and they were still um, in captivity, they prayed to God for a Messiah to deliver them. And of course, we know the story, God sent Moses to them. The question is this, how did God save the Jews from the torture and slavery when they were still in Egypt? By what, what was the premise that God could come in and intervene and save them? There must be something that God must have connected with Covenant of some sort. It was the Abrahamic covenant that was connecting God with them. That's why they were called sons of Abraham. So God said some things over Abraham. And the truth is that God actually had a covenant with Abraham, and no, he didn't have the covenant with Abraham. <laughs> I'm giving you a yes and no answer. Sounds confusing. Why is it confusing? Because God told Abraham he's going to have a covenant with you. But when it was time for the covenant to be enacted, God put Abraham to sleep, same way He puts Adam to sleep. You know, when God puts men to sleep, He's about to, He's always about to do something that's beyond you. <laughs> so Adam was put to sleep, and from Adam's in his sleep, from his from his from his from his being, God brought the woman. God could have created the woman from you know like the same way did Adam, just go somewhere, pick another dust, move together, and say yes. Same way I've created you, same way I've done her. But there was something that was trying to teach us here. That the woman will come from the utmost, from the inner being of Adam. Same way when Christ was there at the cross, Christ was the last Adam, and when Christ was put to sleep in death, the church, which is you and I, were brought forth out of him. So when Adam saw the cre- creation that came out of him, what was the first thing he said? Bone of my bone, flesh my flesh. Same way too when Jesus looks at us <laughs> he sees himself a reflection of himself that's why when Jesus met Apostle Paul when he was you know, going to kill the Christians in Samaria you know what he told him? He said why are you persecuting me? he didn't say why are you persecuting the church? or why are you persecuting the believers? he said why are you persecuting me? because he took it personal. because the church is his bride same way Eve was the bride of Adam Hallelujah. So, every one of us here, we are formed out of the substance of Christ himself. We are not ordinary. Hallelujah. So, it was important for us to understand the creation, for us to understand what is called the recreation, which is now known as new creation realities. So, in the beginning of Genesis, we see God in creation, but what we see at the cross is God in recreation. Hallelujah. Amen. The first had to do with the physical. And the second had to be sonship in Christ, sonship in God. And they followed the same pattern. They were both finished work. The garden itself is a finished work. Hallelujah. So God placed Adam in the garden, not to create the garden, but to enjoy the garden and guide the garden. Make the best out of it. And Jesus' death at the cross was to present a new creation, a new kind of life, that is not one that you created through your own commitment and dedication and love for God, but it is one He created out of His love for you. That is why there's no there's no point for you today in boasting of what you can do for God, but what you can do right now is to boast about what God can do for you. Hallelujah! Let me let me improve it. Boasting about God, what God has done for you. Amen. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord. So let, now let's look at John 19 where we see the finished work John 19 are we there John 19 from verse 28 I want you to carefully hear or watch this it says after this Jesus knowing that all things hmm, were now accomplished. Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished. So you need to ask yourself, what were the things that were accomplished that he knew? His entire life on the earth. He saw the fulfillment of all things. You know, the first thing Jesus did when he, was, he appeared in public, when he read the book of Isaiah, you know what he said today? This scripture fulfilled in your eyes, right? He knew. Why he came, and each time he was going anywhere, he was always announcing himself, announcing his call, announcing why he came on the earth. So, all leading all the way to when he was betrayed, you know, he told the guy, he said, "That you need to do and do it quickly." He knew he would be betrayed. So when he was rejected, you know, to when he was betrayed by not only Judas but also every other disciple, because you may think that only Judas betrayed Jesus. But what about the other twelve and the others that were not there at the cross, who were hiding in fear? You may only think that, you may think only Thomas doubted Jesus. But what about the the, the brothers or the disciples, to whom Mary told that the master has risen and he said, how is it possible? So they were running to the to the grave site, not to confirm the story, whether they believe her, but to confirm whether whether it is true. So, you can see there are a lot of you know assumptions we made about scripture, certain certain things. And the truth is, this, if you were there, it might be almost the same thing too. You may not have been better than what you've seen. Hallelujah! Because in their entire lifetime, they have never seen any of sorts happen. And so that's why Jesus would say that blessed are those who don't believe, who didn't see but yet believe. You know, it takes faith to believe. And this faith is not of yourself, apostle Paul says in Ephesians, but it's a, it's a gift from God. Faith is not something you own. Faith is a gift to you. Hello? Faith is not something you own on your own; it's something, is a gift to you. The same way grace is a gift to you, faith is a gift to you. What you do with that gift, will determine the result you get in your life. What you do with the gift of grace determines the results you get in your life. What you do with the gift of faith determines the results you get in your life. So. Jesus, knowing that all things were accomplished and that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. Now, this is, now, I, I, I was sharing in the Bible study that there were seven things Jesus said at the cross, and every one of those statements he made was a reflection of something he was actually accomplishing there at the cross. This particular one here, when he says, I thirst. Now, he was giving um, sour um, vinegar to drink, right? But if you remember, some of you will quite remember. It. He he was given something to drink twice. Not once. Some of you remember? The first one was actually when he was still approaching the cross. And he gave him the drink. He rejected it. Do you know why he rejected it? What he was given to drink was mixed with something that can kill the pain he he was facing. But he rejected it. So that his death on the cross would not be an easy way out. He was going to be at the full bronze for you. Hallelujah. He was going to take it all for you. So, when he was tortured there by the Romans, when they were flogged with the flagellum that had bottles and had every form kind of um, sharp object attached to it, he received every pain on his body because he knew that by his stripes you will be healed. He didn't want to go the easy way out. He knew if this has to be done, I had to go all the way. The price for salvation will not be something we pay in parts or in The way he went about it, Jesus' um, method and what he did was actually an overpayment for sin. Nothing was missing. So that you can lay claim to the, your inheritance in him, knowing what he has done on your behalf. So, now, on this particular one, he was giving the sour vinegar And he drank this one because he wanted to also fulfill another scripture in Ezekiel. Where, um, first and foremost, in, in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, it was said that the children, their teeth are set on edge when their fathers eat sour grapes. In other words, when the father commits a sin, it is passed down to the third and to the fourth generation. There we now saw in scriptures first mention what is known as generational curses. But in Ezekiel, sorry, Jeremiah, he said a day was coming where it would no longer be said in Israel that the children's teeth you know, are set on edge because of what the fathers have done. And if you look at the prophecy, it coincides with the prophecy about Jesus' death at the cross. Because it then mentions for the first time and the only time in the old covenant, the new covenant was mentioned close to that prophecy. So Jesus drank the sour grape, which is actually vinegar to himself, drinking to himself every curse. Drinking to himself, not just every curse, but curses that can, that can be passed down from generation to generation. So that it will be terminated in him. Hallelujah. And when he drank it, look at what happened. Now there was a sort of ves- um, vessel full of vinegar and they filled it with a sponge with vinegar and put it in. upon his soul up and put it to his mouth. And when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he now said, finished. At this point the job is done. The word finished is what in Greek which means a completed job. A job that is done that no further improvement needs to be made on it again. What Jesus did for us at the cross was so perfect is so perfect that you don't have to do anything in addition to complete it because it is finally complete. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now why this is important is because... Let's flash back to the Old Covenant. In the Old Covenant, they had the priesthood. It's called the Levitical priesthood. And they had about, about seven different kinds of offering. They had the sin offering. They had the um, burnt offering. Trespass offering. And in, on all those offerings, they had to bring different um, bulls and goats. And they would come and bring the high priest. And they would slaughter them. And the blood would be taken and shed. So that as the blood is released, the prayers are offered... For the release of the people who brought it. So the offerer will leave free because of the offering he has brought. So the death of the offering means I cannot leave. Hallelujah. So once every year, known as Passover, a particular lamb was brought on behalf of the whole nation of Israel. The high priest will have to inspect that lamb, be sure that the lamb is spotless, without wrinkle, without blemish, is perfect and he will take it, the blood and pour it in a place called the mercy seat. Inside the place also known as the Holy of Holies. Nobody gets to the Holy of Holies except the high priest, and he only gets there once a year. It's a very dangerous mission for anyone to attempt to move past the Holy Place. But they the Holy Place, and they are the Holy of Holies. So, You see, when you watch your whole movies today, you begin to see how they also have similar practice where the Dibia or the people had a, a, a secret chamber where you offer blood as sacrifice for people who are looking for solution to their financial problem or whatever. So they have to bring an offering. They will always ask you to bring an offering. The offering may sound funny, Sha, but bring an offering. It may sound like this, they said the, the tongue of a mosquito. And you ask yourself, where do I get this one from? It may be the lamp of Lizard, you know, those things, but you've got to bring something that will should represent as what an offering, right? And so, he in court will take the offering and present it before the gods. And the God will look upon your offering if they respect your offering, then your request can be granted. So, it was a prototype of what we have from the old covenant. Now, of all the equipment found in the temple of worship from the holy place. So the Holy whole of whole is there's one particular furniture you, you never find there. It's called a chair or a stool. You know why? Because the priests were always, always offering. Because sin will always continue. There will always be sin. Today and tomorrow. So the priests never ever rested. They were always continually at work. And so God decided to do something different from that so while Israel was offering the sacrifice year by year God decided to offer the perfect sacrifice by offering himself in his son Jesus hallelujah he became that sacrifice and it's, if you look at us if you look at very well begin to see a reflection of Abraham Abraham believed God for his son He finally got his son and God told him for your son after 20 years. And so, him and his son were going up to the mountain and, and uh, Isaac said to his father, okay, where are we going? Going for a sacrifice? Okay, no problem, sir. Sir, I see the wood. I see the matches. I see the kerosene. I don't see any no lamb. And what did Abraham say? God will provide a lamb, right? Let me say to you the way it said in Hebrew. God will, God will see himself as a lamb. The first day I saw that from a strong Hebrew. I was shocked. The word you see in your, in your normal King James is the word God will provide himself a lamb. So the word that provide is what Raha means to see. You know, Jesus said something about uh, to his, his contemporary. He, he said, Abraham saw my day and was glad about it. Then I saw that I was the way He saw it. There were a lot of things Abraham saw that we are still trying to grasp our mind around it. He said, God will see himself the lamb. So, Abraham was going there with confidence. In fact, the book of Hebrews tells us that Abraham had confidence that God was able to raise Isaac back from the dead again. Abraham was exceptional. And so he was going I was about to slay the son. I said, don't, don't do that. The sacrifice is already there. You know, it's amazing how God works. Abraham was working in faith with God. God was already making the provision. Hallelujah. Sometimes when God wants to provide something across your path, hmm? you may be thinking exactly what you are doing that will give you results. All God wants you to do is to be busy doing that thing. You will not order your steps to the provision already. Hallelujah! You know he will give you an idea. Try this out, and you will wonder how will I pay my house rent with this thing? Just do what he says. You want to put you in a position where you can see the ram that was caught. All Abraham needs to do was to just move in, in, in position with God, and look around to see that the actual sacrifice was already kept somewhere for him, waiting for him to be there. God wants you to just show up. Hallelujah! You know, some of you just worry about your your life unnecessarily. You worry about feeding this one unnecessarily, just like that song goes says, um, you know, uh, what a friend we have in Jesus, all and saints and greasy bear, what a privilege to carry. Everything to God in prayer, you know. Then verse 2 says, Oh, what? Um, Oh, what? Let me just say, let me me think of it now. You know, he said about the fact that we we often carry needless burden and pains, all because we do not go to him. That a lot of things we are carrying in our head, it is unneeded. Let me tell you something that you need to understand. Jesus carried a crown of thorns. How many of you have ever touched a thorn before? You can't even grab, you can't even fully hold a a thorn because it has so many angles where it just pierces into you. So, these soldiers I don't know how they did it, wrapped the thorns that had so much on it and pressed into his head. It had to stay there. Jesus was wrapped with something to press into his head. He was pressed with your problem, he was pressed with your worries, he was pressed with those issues that should press you. He fulfilled that so that you will not live a life worry without worry. A life without stress. He took it so that you don't have to take it. And yet you are there trying to carry upon you what he has carried for you. Receive that revelation today that you don't need to carry the burden on you. He took that burden on, on your behalf. Hallelujah. Let me show you another thing Jesus fulfilled for, for us. You know, while he was there in the Garden of Gethsemane, In the night with the disciples. Why is it that of all places Jesus went to? It was a garden called Gethsemane. Why didn't he go to any other garden? Because there were many other gardens in Israel. But he chose Gethsemane. Do you know why? Gethsemane was the place where they pressed oil. They pressed wine, sorry. To get to get you know wine. So the grapes were brought there and were mashed and stumped upon. Put pressure on it to bring out the juice. It was there. Remember, that was where he began to uh, grieve in his spirit. Hallelujah! He began to grieve in his spirit. Condemnation came to him. Judgment came to him. He was being grieved. He was so grieved to the point that the Bible tells us that he began to bring out uh, like drops of blood, touching the earth. What earth? The one that we saw in Genesis. that was. We're told that the earth was cursed, so that that earth would not produce thorns and thistles to you. Jesus had providing food for you. It was bringing to you pain. So Adam will have to seal the ground. Adam will have food only through anxious toil. Jesus went there and through his own anxiety released the earth. So that whatever you do today you don't have to do anything with anxious toil for a result. We need to understand what he accomplished for us so that we can lay faith and grab what belongs to us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, he said, we who have believed have entered the rest. Those who have seen and know what has been accomplished for them, enter rest. Because you need to understand something. When you walk, God rests. When you rest, God walks. And trust me, between you and God, between you and God, He's a better worker. He's a better worker. Do you know what it means to live life without, without worry of a need? <laughs> There's a bliss there. It's called the Garden of Eden. Adam lived every day. Adam was not thinking. What if come? Let us worry. Let us start to worry now because we don't know what it. Let us begin to have a worry session now. Correct? No, no, no. No, it was never there. Why? Because they were placed in a place called the Garden of what? Guess what Eden means in Hebrew? Pleasure. The place of his pleasure. And it's interesting to me that when Jesus was dying there at the cross, you know, there were two thieves on, on each, each, each side. And one said, you know, it was actually quaint. The other guy said, you keep quiet. Leave this man. We, we are the criminals here. He's not a criminal. He said, Lord, remember me. When you get into your kingdom, he even had a revelation, even there dying, that this is a king. Because you cannot mention kingdom without a king. And Jesus said, Today you will be with me in paradise. Unfortunately, that's what the King just tells us. The Hebrew word there is not paradise, it's the word there is garden. Paradiso. What garden would you be referring to? <laughs> Back to the beginning. Back to the beginning. Let me show you something there. Go to back to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis 3. Hallelujah. Oh, I I just saw something else I want to show to you. I hope you don't mind. Let me just chase this rabbit. Now, in that Genesis 3, Adam sins, hides himself, right? Covers himself with fig, fig oh, covers himself with salad dressing. Okay? God calls. He's hiding in two places. He's hiding in the bushes. He's also hiding his salad dressing. Like I said last week Wednesday, it is a fallacy to teach and proclaim that sin will stop God from coming to you. That if you are in sin, God cannot come and meet you. The first man has sinned, God visited him. God showed up at the appointment. He was the one that was missing the appointment. And I had to show us on Wednesday. Adam said I heard your voice and I hid. I had to show us the proper context, and this is this is what I explained. That if anyone has a child here, okay, uh, maybe a son, a daughter, then you you find yourself in uh, Lagos Island, maybe you do Mata area, you know those you know know those areas that you go to, those kind of markets. You go there in December. You know you have to be very careful of yourself. Number one careful of your own pulse, Because either your post can move or you can move. Now you are there with your child. You have to be triple careful now. Because either you will move or the post will move or your child will, will move. And so you are walking by the market with your child. You are holding the child. Or maybe sometimes you free the child. You continue again. Then suddenly you need to realize your child is no longer by your side again. At that point, the world will stop. If you are a parent, you understand I me. Mean? The world will stop. If you are getting a. At that point in time, if your, if your mechanic calls you, yeah, you will not be the call Because you have, you have a more important pressing call to answer. I'm very sure if some people will call you at that time, even your customer will call you, you will not answer the call. Because what we happen to use, how do I find my child in this area? And so you will go to start screaming in the name of your child. Maybe the name is Peter. Peter! Where are you? Because you want to scream so that you can hear your voice. And you will not rest until you can find that child. When God came to the garden screaming, he was not screaming at Adam. He lost his man. He was screaming for the man to come outside. But the man heard him and had a misconception about God that he is disappointed with me and was not hiding in the bush. Adam, where are you? I was looking for him. Where are you, Adam? He's hungry. I better hide. I can't stand his anger. Anger he he has not seen before. There are a lot of things that Adam did not see before. Example, when Adam was told he would die, Adam had to learn how to die. He took him 900 years to learn how to die. Subsequently, men find it much easier to learn how to die. In fact, these days, it's much easier to learn how to die. In fact, there's a program on GSTV called One Ways Way to Die. And each time I see that, that, that program, I ask myself, why do I want to learn another way to die? When the devil is already doing a good job around you. As in, without assistance. Hello? Do you know how, how so many of us walk by every day with thoughts of death? No serious. I'm very serious. Do you know so many people walk every day with thoughts of death escorting them. If you just enter, you just march, you just die. If you just go walk, no come back, you just die. I'm telling you, people go. These are real things that people go through every day. Some people may not be the thought of death. It could be the thoughts of failure. That is your walking. Not till, not till you come out of it. What is do you you are doing? What, where, where is he leading you to? And, and, and the way he will always show up. Whenever you go to an appointment, you're expecting something, you're disappointed you, then you're say, "I say, i be be telling you this. You know? His job is always to be there to pierce that into you. To kill you inside before it manifests on the outside. So, here, what do we see? Adam ran away from God because he afraid of God. And I saw on Wednesday, I shared this on Wednesday. I said, Adam typifies the third man in the parable of talent. The third man in the parable of talent was given one talent. The one that had five, Shredder with it had more five. Another with two. Shredder got more two. But the one that had one, what did he do? He said, I, said, See, I, I know you. You're a very hard man. Very mean man. You don't reap where you sow. You know, you're very stiff. So I keep your talent.'" Now, I'm giving it back to you. He did not make anything out of what he had received because of a misconception of his servants. That was the same way Adam did. A lot of men today are living out of the model of Adam. A misconception of who God really is. And that's why Jesus came to show us who God really is as father. To show us his heart. So that if we understand who God is, we understand his provision for us. Hallelujah. So, at that point, the world stopped for man, for God. And God now is okay, I'm going to begin the process of reclaiming you back. Now, you know, it's God. It can just say, okay, Adam, you have sinned. I forgive you. Let's just move on. You know, could it could have be been that easy. But it wasn't that simple. Because the fall of Adam and man was not just a simple disobedience. It was a disobedience that was carved by a concept of God. The Eve, Eve was speaking with the serpents and Someone kept on saying, Did God say this one? Did God say this one? Did he say it this way? He was walking on the mind of Eve. Walking on, he was walking on, he was trying to throw something inside. And then he ended by saying, God knows that the day you eat this food, you become as wise as him. In other words, God is denying you the opportunity to be as wise as him. So he has given you everything, oh, you know, but denying you the very best. It was an attack on the love of God. It was an attack on the integrity of who God really is. So that man... Say, okay, let me try an alternative. Do you know one thing? Each time you doubt God's integrity and faithfulness, guess what you always do? The alternative. Let me try something else. You could become like an Abraham. would ask, okay. God surely told me that me and my wife will have a son, but maybe this is not what God says. So let's consult... Hagar hey is our mate. She's still fertile. What did he have? Ishmael. So we will always have Ishmael each time without the integrity and the faithfulness of God. And you know, of course, you know those things called Ishmael, they always come back to make things difficult for us. <laughs> because as we read in scripture, Ishmael and Isaac, there was no issue in the house. One had to leave. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, from Genesis to when Jesus came, was God in the process of redemption. It was a process that had to be fulfilled through time. It was a process that had to be fulfilled through certain phases that must, must be fulfilled. Now, when you have a look at the, the Jewish way of worship, you will begin to see a lot of things. Now, I, went, I, I, I don't remember why I took it back to it, Genesis 3. Now, let's go back there. Genesis 3. Twenty-three. Genesis 3.23 So therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden. That's the man himself. He sent him out of the garden to till the ground from whence he was taken, right? Now look at the next verse. So he drove out the man and he placed what? At the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way keeping the way of the tree of life, so there were cherubims with flaming swords, you know, to prevent access back to the tree of life. Just before Jesus went to the cross, he told disciples something that, as Zechariah said in Zechariah twelve, that the sheep would be sorry; the, sh- the shepherd would be smitten. and the sheep is scattered. Arise, O sword. What sword was the calling forth? It was a sword of judgment that prevented access into the way of life. So when he was there at the cross, Jesus took to himself that flaming sword into himself. He took judgment to himself so that the way to the tree of life will become open. And interestingly, Jesus himself is the tree of life. Hallelujah, 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 and I love what he says in John ten. He says, <laughs> "Just, just listen to this." He said, "I am the vine, <laughs> that tree. I am the vine. You are the branches. Guess where the fruit comes from? From the branches." Revelation twelve. Sorry, Revelation last book, last chapter of your Bible. Revelation twenty two, sorry. Are we there? Revelation twenty two. Now remember Garden of Eden, right? It was a garden, there were trees, there were water flowing, you know, on and on and on. And then we see here John had also a vision of something similar. It says from verse one, it says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life. Hallelujah. Clear as crystal. Proceeding out of the throne of God. So, in this garden, there's a throne there. So, when you look at it, you So, if there's a garden and there's a throne. Is the garden in heaven? No. The throne moved into the garden. Hello? The throne moved into the garden. And there was a water that was proceeding forth from the throne inside the garden. And it says there and of the Lamb. Each time the book of Revelation tells you the Lamb, is always trying to refer you to the finished work, to the sacrifice of Jesus. And so, verse 2 says, In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there a tree of life, which bare self-manner of fruit, and yielded our fruits every month. And the leaves of the trees where for the healing of the nations the leaves of the tree where for the healing of the nations what bears the leaves is it the trunk or the branches I am the vine you are the branches what should come out of us is what will heal the nations What should come out of us is what will make people desire to be living in Eden because Eden is not a physical location. Eden is a new creation. So when Jesus told the thief at the cross, today you will be with me in paradise or you will be with me in the garden, he was referring to today you will be with me in the new creation. You will be with me in the new world, in the new heaven and earth. That is a place found in Jesus. That is where you are right now. That's why the author says in Hebrews 4, it says, we who have believed, we have entered a rest. We who have believed, we are seized from our labor. What labor? The labor of righteousness. A labor to please God. That religion is all about. We are trying to do something to make God bless us. We are trying to pray in a certain way to get God to consider us. But no, no more. Christ came to us. Thus, heaven came to us. Christianity is actually a declaration of the end of religion. Christianity is a relationship. Man could not find his way to God through the many different religions that came outside. And so God came and found his way in our hearts. He came to be one of us. He came to live our lives, to identify our pains and our suffering. He came so that, you know, To change the perspective of life. That perspective is from the other area, adapt area, you toil, you toil, you toil, and you eat. But the perspective of the new creation is this I labor in rest. If I have any labor at all, it's a labor that is performed in rest. That's that's what Paul said. I labor more than you all, (laughs) but his labor was a labor by grace. And the truth is that when you can understand this, you can understand what is called Holy Spirit-directed activity in your business, your career, in your family, whatever you do. It is now God is directing your steps. You are not doing things because you are anxious. If I don't do this thing, I will lose. I I will lose. You know, it now become like this uh, real estate thing. If you don't come now, 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 the house the is going. If you don't come now and see, in, 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 inspect the place, this, 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 the property is going. You know, you're always under tension to rush. If you are living your life that way, today is the day to repent. By repent, I mean metanoa, change your mind. You've got to decide I'm no longer going to live any day of this year stressing myself about my life stressing myself about what I will eat, my business my career, you need to come into a place called rest it says labor to enter into that rest labor to enter into that rest, why? because in that place called rest is a place called Eden the place of his pleasure everything has been provided there your prosperity is no longer a function of your diligence. It's a function of His provision, His faithfulness. So, when you're not going about your business, whatever you do, you will now begin to realize that He is leading you as to what to do. He's giving you ideas. And you see, God speaks to you much more easier when you are also at rest. If you have labor, if you have stress inside of you, if you are distressed, if you are under depression, it becomes very difficult for you to hear when God is leading you. I, I like the testimony that Glory shared. You know, it's not the kind of testimony people share when God is telling you, meet and meet that person. There's something within you that's just leading you. And she had to take money for food for the house to be a blessing to somebody. Many people we bind God. If God had come in audible form, say, My daughter, my daughter, that's man that you once know, give him that 2,000 Naira. If you don't give him that 2,000 Naira, I will show you I am the Lord thy God. There I am, that I am. But a lot of people, that's the kind of idea they have about God. When God wants to talk to them, God has to become dramatic, <laughs> like home video. You will enter your house, blow breeze, and begin to shake, shake the curtain. Surely, surely, God is here, and God will not speak to you. God will have to speak to you in echo. I am the Lord your God, 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 God. This is God talking. You know, it debates not by tone. It's it not God talking. God has, God has by tone. You know. He said, the voice of God is the voice of many waters. (laughs) Hey, You know what we see in Ezekiel? He says, there was a noise. There was fire. But God was not there. Still small voice. It's easy to miss God when you are very busy. Very easy. Trust me. Very easy to miss God when you are very busy. When I mean busy, I don't mean... You are active. But you know, there's something called business of mind. You can be busy doing it with your hand work and your mind is not busy. It's true. You can be very busy doing a lot of things here and there, but your mind is at rest. No stress. You know, some people will do even small work. They will make the mistake and go and say, let me go and check my BP. Small work, small work they do. The result, see, even when they are pumping it themselves, the doctor knows there's a problem here. Because they can see stress written all over you for small work you are doing. Because stress is not based on the quantity of work you are doing, stress is based on the quantity of work working you. The work is the one working you. You know, it's one thing to own a property, it's another thing for the property to own you. It's blessed when you own a car or two cars or three cars. But there's something wrong when the cars own you. It's good to own a business. It's bad when the business owns you. When the business business owns you, family is not important. My target is important. When the business owns you, God is not important because God will always understand. That's the easiest thing people will say about God. God will always understand. And the truth is this. God, he will always understand. But the problem is this. How does God understanding affect you? You never think of it? No, you've not thought of it. God will understand. How does God understanding affect you? Like I was sharing on Facebook some days before. You should understand something about God. God is not in need though. He doesn't need anything for anybody. God is not look, hoping to survive today. That if some people praise him today, today is Sunday. Ah, God, God said, I've been starved. I've been starving since last Sunday. and he praise today. You know you know that concept of praising God with, with Uriki, to swear the head of God? Where did it come from? Please keep your traditional idea in, in the palace there. In the place of the kingdom, the God that I know is not in need. Hello? You cannot swear the head of God with uh, Uriki. Now you write Psalm past David. Look at what David wrote there. If you read David's Psalm, you will know you, have, you don't have a Riki. And even with all the psalms that David wrote, David was still, still in very serious humility. Because he knew he had never said enough. Hello? The length of your Riki will not be the swellness of God's head. Because his head will never be swollen by your praise. God has always and will always be. Hello, before the creation of man, God had been existing. He was not in need. When God created man, it was not because He told the. Now look at this. God did say in Genesis chapter one? Father, Son, and Spirit said, "We know we are seriously need you. We know we are seriously need someone that will help us here. So let us create man <laughs> in our image and likeness. We need people to praise us. <laughs> it's not easy." We have, we have just been here. Three of us have been talking. Nobody's praising us. We have just been here. Nothing charging. We are so bored. This life, I don't understand this eternity thing. So let us create man. That's what you see in your Bible. You, you, what you see in your scriptures, you see God busy creating the earth, forming the earth, putting the rivers, putting the oceans, putting the, the birds, putting, he was arranging a place called home for a man he wants to create. That will be a reflection of who he is. So that he will pour his love into that man. God created man, not for man to now reach out to God. God wanted an extension of his being that he can bless with goodness. Because God is so full of himself. He's intended to pour it somewhere and he created you and I. God did not create you to serve him. If that was the purpose. The moment Adam was created, they put the, the mood together. I'm um, poor Yeah, Start to worship now. Start at you. you do You know, you know, But and you see that's, that's what we do in church. We, we criticize people for worship. You know. We, we 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 always know who is the better worshiper, because this thing when he's worshiping God, we cry. And so that person is worshiping God, and his eyes are straight. Says, so don't worship now. It's not. It's not moved." His heart is hard of stone. And yet, there are people like us here. No matter what you tell us, we will not cry. I, I was one day in church. I saw people just crying. worship. I said, God, what is wrong with me? <laughs> I don't understand. I, 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 why can't I cry like them? Once I learned years later, it is not, the worship is not in the tears. You know? Because some people are worshiping and crying, crying. It could come from various reasons. It could be the fact that they are overwhelmed by the glory of God. You know, It could be the fact that they are overwhelmed by when they remember God's goodness. A lot of things. But some people are there. Eh? Because they are hired mourners. Some of you know what they call hired mourners. When there is burial, there is a people that they were hired to cry. They are professional mourners. They know how to cry. If you are there, you cannot cry. And you hear them mourn. You will mourn. They will inspire you. Hello? Some people are in church, when they are morning in worship, they've looked around and said, Ah, ah, this person has taken to Jatu. So no, don't it's, ah, it's go seven, let me month too. So their money is, let, let us, make it, maybe say they don't pass my own. I pass my neighbor money. <laughs> hey, hallelujah. Is it not amazing that the man that wrote to thought third of the new covenant? Paul himself. Paul! When God arrested Paul, Paul was going to kill the Christian church. And God arrested him on the road. And the only question he was asking was, Lord, who are you? That was all. He was not there at the, at the altar call. Oh God, I see my wickedness and my ways. I see how wicked I have be. been. I killed Stevie! Paul was not saved because he was sorry. Paul was saved because God is merciful. You are not saved because you are sorry. You. You, I, mean, I mean if i looked at the story of the prodigal Son again. The prodigal Son said, I will go back to my father's house. Ah, this suffer too much here now. How can I be dragging food with pig? If I go back, at least, as a servant, if they are a servant, I will see perhaps six months in trouble, like a human being. Because I didn't, now that I do. I'm eating. In fact, I am not a human being. I'm not a pig being. So he began to realize how he will now tell his father he is sorry. Not because he was sorry, so I can enter the house back again to eat. Poverty can be a serious motivation. So he was going back, and the father saw him from, Bible says, from a distance. If the guy were really sorry, eh? if you are seeing his father from a distance, you're supposed to be running to him. But guess who ran? The father. The father ran towards him. I said, "Father, I have, I have seen against you." Said, "Don't talk, do talk, don't talk. Embrace him. Everything he had, reas, in kwa <laughs> He did not have the opportunity to say it. Why? Because the overwhelming love of the father silenced him, and before he could say anything, the father said, "Oya, father cow, kill." This one arrange. Come on, Masika, bring a rice. Call do other drinks. Party sets. Without him asking for it. That is the kind of God that you serve. That arranges a party for somebody who are, has are realized it went wrong. That's why sometimes you need to realize ah, God was gracious to you. But you believe with the chance. You turn your eyes back to God and God arranged a party for you. Is that God not good? Hallelujah. <laughs> God is so gracious that when you miss your way, He you will not be holding one king. Now God Kasham. And I be God is saying that God Kasham. That's how some people see God. I tell him for now. I told him. As you are coming back, you let you talk your story. Are you done? Raise up your hand. I will show you I am God. I am the I am. You will not know why they call me the I am. Today you will know it. That's not God. He sees you coming back. And he's arranging the O1B for you. Do you know why? The Bible tells us in the book of Romans, it says that repentance comes from seeing the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Have you been striving for a good life? (laughs) Have you been striving for a, a quality life? Stop striving, start resting in the finished work. Start resting in what God has done for you. Make that your proclamation. Even in the face of the fact that you have no money in your pockets, declare that he has finished the work. By finishing the work, he has ended the role of poverty in my life and my family. He is not going to do so tomorrow because you will do 7 days program to end poverty. Because I'm going to make it as if God wants to end poverty in your life. But God needs you to do a seven-day program. In that seven-day program, you need to be sure that your fasting in that seven days is perfect. And so when you are fasting, make sure no drop of water touch your tongue. You know that kind of fasting that you, even, you're even afraid to brush your teeth. Say, so if i get yeah, I go brush the teeth now. The water will spoil the, the fasting. And so you're about to spell it now. So you don't want to spoil the fasting. You know, you're looking haggard. Because you don't, the, you don't expect the fasting. And God is saying, come and receive. Come and receive because the banquet is ready. Hallelujah. The banquet is ready. The banquet is ready. The banquet. Okay. Says, some of you don't know what the banquet is. It's, I'm using one big grammar. The party is ready. Okay. Let me make it easier for some of you here. You know what they call party after party? That is what grace offers to us. It's called party. After party, there is no end to the goodness. Once one comes to you, there's another wave that is loading. As you're trying to experience that one, another wave is loading to you. Hallelujah! I don't know if you are that person that believes that. I believe that every day of my life is a continuous wave, an expression of glory of God. Every new day is a fresh dimension of grace. Every new day is a fresh dimension of His goodness. Why? Because I'm good? No! Because He is good! Is it because I'm righteous? No! He so said, the Bible has concluded all on that sin. But now it says, now the righteousness of God without the law is manifest. The righteousness of God that is not qualified by your good works is manifest. How is it manifested? How is it qualified? Faith in what He has done. He's simply saying, I believe. He says, I'm righteous. Therefore, I am righteous. He says, "I am prosperous." I believe I am prosperous. I am in the I am. Hallelujah! As he is, so am I. Let's give him praise. Hallelujah! Let's give him praise. Let's celebrate Jesus. Hallelujah! Let's give him praise. Celebrate! 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 Begin to declare. I rest in the finished work. We need to make that to your declaration right now. Make make that I rest in the finished work. I'm not resting in my own work. I'm not resting in my own plans. I'm not resting in my own righteousness. I'm not resting in my, in my own schemes. I rest in the finished work of our Lord Jesus. I rest in what he has done for me. I rest in what has been provided for me. I rest in the power of the cross. I rest in the power of resurrection. I rest in him. Who is above sin and death. Who took my judgment, who took my sin to himself, who took my pain to himself, who took my cross to himself, that I might be declared righteous.